Welcome to episode 50 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, carefully curated characters. Welcome to AI.Cooking, episode 50, a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the second half of January 2023 and two corners, history and knowledge. Oh, you and I, we've got to 50. Yes, some of you might have got here a little bit later than one, but all of you are here by 50. Anyone listening to this? <laughs> so how are we? We're all good. I have draft 12 of <laughs> pilot screenplay for the TV show going out to an investor tomorrow morning, Monday morning, uh, potential executive producer coming on board and we'll see we'll see if we can get some moolah some money for this gig if we can then i can do it forever and this forever well we'll see how far that goes won't we how far forever is but for now i have to tell you that if if you would like to submit news items to us or to give us feedback for free Please tweet us at at CSB or at at Gwuff Media, G-W-F-F Media. We are also in Fediverse, also known as Mastodon, at noagendasocial.com, as at CSB and as at Gwuff, G-W-F-F. On the other hand, to send us feedback via Boostergrams, and by the way, to send us Bitcoin in the form of Bitcoin Lightning, please use one of Podcasting 2.0 apps from newpodcastapps.com. All feedback is welcome. And value for value split between Gwuff, myself, that's me, and CSB is 50-50. Yes, I have a get Albie. Woof at Get Albie, I'm fairly certain. <laughs> so yeah, get in there, get into the podcasting 2.0 thing, which I think is going to be synonymous eventually with the subjects that we're covering here. I think that there's going to be a very hearty crossover between sentient intelligence, uh, technological life forms and podcasting 2.0. Uh, well, we'll see how far we get with that. Our first news item is Microsoft and OpenAI Extend Partnership. Microsoft writes, Today we are announcing the third phase of our long-term partnership with OpenAI through a multi-year, multi-billion dollar investment to accelerate AI breakthroughs to ensure these benefits are broadly shared with the world. <laughs> There's your answer. Who owns OpenAI? It looks like Microsoft owns quite a bit of it, if ownership is possible. With this firm, this agreement follows our previous investments in 2019 and 2021 
It extends our ongoing collaboration across AI supercomputing and research and enables each of us to independently commercialize the resulting advanced AI technologies. There we go. They're going to be independently commercializing. Hmm. Supercomputing at scale. Microsoft will increase our investments in the development and deployment of specialized supercomputing systems. To accelerate OpenAI's groundbreaking independent AI research, we will also continue to build out Azure's leading AI infrastructure to help customers continue to build and deploy their AI applications on a global scale. Dun dun dun! New AI-powered experiences. Microsoft will deploy OpenAI's models across our consumer and enterprise products and introduce new categories of digital experiences built on OpenAI's technology. Yay! We get new digital experience. Woo! This includes Microsoft Azure OpenAI Service, which empowers developers to build cutting-edge AI applications through direct access to OpenAI models backed by Azure's trusted enterprise-grade capabilities and AI-optimized infrastructure and tools. Hmm. That sounds too... Juicy to be true, doesn't it? Wow. How lucky are we to have Microsoft, of all the super corporations in the world, playing around with this stuff. Exclusive cloud provider. As OpenAI's exclusive cloud provider, Azure will power all OpenAI workloads across research, products, and API services. OpenAI has used this infrastructure to train its breakthrough models, which are now deployed in Azure to power category-defining AI products like GitHub Copilot, Doll E2, and ChatGPT. Our commentary? Well, $10 billion is not officially mentioned. Various sources confirm that Microsoft will indeed invest $10 billion into OpenAI. 10 billion smackaroonies. Ay, 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 ay. If you had a, a dollar a second, that's a lot of time. Two, China launches anti deepfake law. The law came into effect January 10th, 2023. It's funny that China calls deepfake by deep synthesis technology. Here are some quotes from the law, translated from original in Chinese. Communism oozes from this text. Some quotes. Title. Provisions on the administration of deep synthesis internet information services. Article 1. 
These provisions are drafted on the basis of the cybersecurity law of the PRC, the PRC data security law, the personal information protection law of the PRC, the measures on the administration of internet information services and other relevant laws and administrative regulations, so as to strengthen the management of internet information services deep synthesis, carry forward the core socialist values preserve national security and the societal public interest, and protect the lawful rights and interests of citizens, legal persons, and other organizations. Article 2. These provisions apply to the application of deep synthesis technology to provide internet information services, herein after simply deep synthesis services. Where laws or administrative regulations otherwise provide, follow those provisions. Article 3. The State Internet Information Department is responsible for the overall planning and coordination of the nation's governance of deep synthesis services and related oversight and management efforts. Related oversight. The State Council Departments for Telecommunications and Public Security are responsible for efforts on the oversight and management of deep synthesis services in accordance with their respective duties. And now we're going to skip down to Article 23. So there was 20 other articles. This is the 23rd one. The meaning of the following terms as used in these provisions. Deep synthesis technology refers to the use of technologies such as deep learning and virtual reality that use generative sequencing algorithms to create text, images, audio, video, virtual scenes, or other information, including but not limited to 1. Technologies for generating or editing text content such as chapter generation, text style conversion, and question and answer dialogues. <laughs> That's, well, good job we don't do none of that round here. <laughs> 2. Technologies for generating or editing voice content such as text to speech, voice conversion, and voice attribute editing. 3. Technologies for generating or editing non-voice audio content, such as music generation and scene sound editing. Okay, so, right, that, well, that covers us. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Four. Technologies for generating or editing biometric features in images and video content, such as face generation, face swapping, personal attribute editing, face manipulation, or gesture manipulation. 5. Technologies for generating or editing non-biometric features in images and video content, such as image generation, enhancement, or restoration. Okay, this is pretty across the board then, isn't it? 6. Technology for generating or editing digital characters or virtual scenes, such as 3D reconstruction or digital simulations. Deep Synthesis Service Providers refers to organizations and individuals providing deep synthesis services. 
Deep Synthesis Service Providers, Technical Supporters, refers to organizations and individuals that provide technical support for Deep Synthesis Services. Deep Synthesis Services Users refers to organizations and individuals using Deep Synthesis Services to make, reproduce, publish, or transmit information. Training data refers to annotated or benchmark datasets that are used to train machine learning models. Immersive scenes refers to highly realistic virtual scenes that are generated or edited by applying deep synthesis technology and can be experienced or interacted with by participants. <laughs> well, there you go. So that's China making their AI move, locking it down. Uh, good luck to them. Uh, we'll see you on the other side, guys. And... Um, I'm sure there's good and bad on each side and all that. And the human condition is universal. Uh, the story will play itself out, won't it? We'll see. We'll be here reporting on the front lines. If I get a good old TV development job, maybe we'll take this like pod news and then do it every day. Yeah? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Three, The Verge is reporting. Yes, our friends over at The Verge. Google is freaking out about ChatGPT. Oh, freaking out, man. The recent launch of OpenAI's AI chatbot ChatGPT has raised alarms within Google, according to reports from the New York Times. Now, the Times says Google has plans to demonstrate a version of its search engine with chatbot features this year. <laughs> they're having to <laughs> they're having to keep up with the times aren't they first tiktok now chat gpt mm, what is going on and unveil more than 20 projects powered by artificial intelligence the power is coming from an artificial intelligence according to the new york times which is according to google <clears throat> Through our friends at The Verge. As recently as December, we'd heard Google execs were worried that despite investing heavily in AI technology, moving too fast to roll it out could harm the company's reputation. Oh yeah, <laughs> that could harm it, yeah. As opposed to all of the other stuff that could potentially harm it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not limited, but including, but sort of two. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all, they had to stick don't be evil on the walls of the buildings that you owned. I mean, well, what was with that? Why is nobody... What, yeah, whatever. But things are changing quickly. Earlier this morning, Google announced it's laying off more than 12,000 employees and focusing on AI as a domain of primary importance. Yeah, okay. They've got the monkeys at the typewriters. It's not even humanity, it's uh, deep synthesis. Deep synthesis, eh? Hmm. I mean, of all the takeaways of that previous one. Ugh, deep synthesis. Driving it home. Fourthly, and staying with Google... Google Research plus Brain Team plus Harvard University have published. 
Well, there you go. Three of those guys. Them, them, and them. Deep Learning Tuning Playbook. Quote, This document is for engineers and researchers, both individuals and teams, interested in maximizing the performance of deep learning models. We assume basic knowledge of machine learning and deep learning concepts. Our emphasis is on the process of hyperparameter tuning. We touch on other aspects of deep learning training, such as pipeline implementation and optimization. But our treatment of those aspects is not intended to be complete. We assume the machine learning problem is a supervised learning problem or something that looks a lot like one, e.g. self-supervised. That said, some of the prescriptions in this document may also apply to other types of problems. End quote. It is published on GitHub at this URL, https colon forward slash forward slash github.com forward slash google hyphen research forward slash tuning underscore playbook. Semianalysis.com is reporting. Title, How NVIDIA's CUDA Monopoly in Machine Learning is Breaking, OpenAI Triton and PyTorch 2.0 Intro, over the last decade, the landscape of machine learning software development has undergone significant changes. Many frameworks have come and gone, but most have relied heavily on leveraging NVIDIA's CUDA and performed best on NVIDIA's GPUs. However, with the arrival of PyTorch 2.0 and OpenAI's Triton, NVIDIA's dominant position in this field, mainly due to its software moat, is being disrupted. This report will touch on topics such as why Google's TensorFlow lost out to PyTorch, why Google hasn't been able to capitalize publicly on its early leadership of AI, the major components of machine learning model training time, the memory capacity bandwidth cost wall, model optimization, why other AI hardware companies haven't been able to make a dent in NVIDIA's dominance so far, why hardware will start to matter more, how NVIDIA's competitive advantage in CUDA is wiped away, and a major win one of NVIDIA's competitors has at a large cloud for training silicon. Well, if I was going to, what one would be uh, NVIDIA's competitors? Hmm, I don't know. What if, something struck me whilst I was reading that, what if the, the whole GPU shortage uh, was not nothing to do with the virus of unspecified origin <laughs> to borrow a phrase what if it was they were hoarding it for two years to build a super super huge gpu linked ai thingy-majiggy if you took two years worth or even if you you managed to siphon off as many as you can and, and at one point it was nigh on impossible to get them i remember those days that's how i've ended up with a 3060 yeah Interesting. Good fiction, though. Let's jot it down, just in case. And for us, CSB, particularly mind-boggling, is this fragment of the article. 
TensorFlow versus PyTorch. A handful of years ago, the framework ecosystem was quite fragmented, but TensorFlow was the front runner. Google looked poised to control the machine learning industry. They had a first mover's advantage with the most commonly used framework, TensorFlow, and by designing deploying the only successful AI application-specific accelerator, TPU. Instead, PyTorch won. Google failed to convert its first mover's advantage into dominance of the nascent ML industry. Nowadays, Google is somewhat isolated within the machine learning community because of its lack of use of PyTorch and GPUs in favor of its own software stack and hardware. In typical Google fashion, they even have a second framework called JAX that competes directly with TensorFlow. Back to why PyTorch won. While there was an element of wrestling control away from Google, it was primarily due to its increased flexibility and usability of PyTorch versus TensorFlow. If we boil it down to a first principle level, PyTorch differed from TensorFlow in using eager mode rather than graph mode. While TensorFlow now has eager mode by default, the research community and most large tech firms have settled around PyTorch. This is exemplified by the fact that nearly every generative AI model that made the news being based on PyTorch. The Google generative AI models are based on JAX, not TensorFlow. End quote. You rest on your laurels, you let your competitors get the edge, and they can force you out the edge you out the game. But then you've got other game in other areas, different fingers, different pies, big enough to survive. Uh, headquartered somewhere else. Ah, good old coffee. And with that, we'll take a break. Uh, I'm going to go see my children and come back and finish recording a little later on. Thank you. Episode 50 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Over halfway through our news articles for this fortnight, and with number six, Ars Technica is reporting. Baston Dynamics Atlas robot grows a set of hands. Oh! Attempts control... <laughs> Attempts construction work. Boston Dynamics Atlas, the world's most advanced humanoid robot, is learning some new tricks. The company has finally given Atlas some proper hands. And in Baston Dynamics' latest YouTube video, Atlas is attempting to do some actual work. It also released another behind-the-scenes video showing some of the spectacular slams the robot takes in its efforts to advance humanoid robotics. As a humanoid robot, Atlas has mostly been focused on locomotion, starting with walking in a lab, then walking on every kind of unstable terrain imaginable, then doing some sick parkour tricks. Locomotion is all about the legs, though, and the upper half seemed mostly like an afterthought, 
with the arms only used to swing around for balance. Atlas previously didn't even have hands. The last time we saw it, there were only two incomplete looking ball grippers at the end of its arms. Seven! eFinancialCareers.com has an interesting article entitled I left my job as a Goldman Sachs MD to work in AI. And intro slash summary is... It's been a difficult few weeks at Goldman Sachs, as the firm slashes bonuses and cuts 3,200 jobs. But David Ha is well above the fray. Ha spent eight years at Goldman and became a managing director and co-head of macro trading in Japan. He quit in 2016. Ha felt kind of bored at Goldman, Ha tells us on a rare trip to London. I was spending more time managing people than trading, and for me it was more of a risk to stay there than to leave. I didn't care about the money anymore. I was idealistic, and I wanted to do something different. Nearly seven years after walking away from Goldman Sachs, Ha is no longer known for his macro trading skills. In the intervening years, he has morphed into something entirely different. He's too humble to say so, but Ha is now one of the world's top researchers in artificial intelligence. Yes, I guess David will have the last laugh. Ha! Nom 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 number eight. In a news story submitted by our gal pal, DC Girl, our correspondent in Washington, DC area of USA, ChatGPT passed the USMLE, the licensing exams to become a physician in the US. Performance of ChatGPT on USMLE, potential for AI-assisted medical education using large language models. And an abstract of this article is... We evaluated the performance of a large language model called ChatGPT on the United States Medical Licensing Exam, or USMLE, which consists, which consists of three exams, Step 1, Step 2 CK, and Step 3. ChatGPT performed at or near the passing threshold for all three exams without any specialized training or reinforcement. Additionally, ChatGPT demonstrated a high level of concordance and insight in its explanations. These results suggest that large language models may have the potential to assist with medical education and potentially clinical decision-making. Our commentary? Actually, there are many reports that ChatGPT is passing also many other exams. So this exam is just an example. Number nine! Also submitted to us by DC Girl, our Washington correspondent, NBC News is reporting. 
Title, A Chatbot That Lets You Talk With Jesus and Other Historical Figures is the Latest Controversy in the AI Gold Rush. More Info The Historical Figures app is available in Apple's App Store and lets you chat with notable people from history, reanimated by artificial intelligence. It's a classic parlor game, which three people from history would you invite to dinner. Now, a new app brings the experience to your phone, with help from an artificial intelligence chatbot. Allowing users to have text conversations with robots meant to simulate the perspectives of notable people from history, from Babe Ruth to Adolf Hitler. Interesting. They put Hitler on there. That's okay. The app, called Historical Figures, has begun to take off in the two weeks since it was released as a way to have conversations with any of 20,000 notable people from history. Oh, my word. I've got to check this thing out. But this week, it sparked viral controversy online after its inclusion of dictators from the past. Yeah, the thing is about dictators is they're always, you know, they're, yeah, they're quite dickish. They're a bit, they're a bit of a dick about stuff. The app, created by a 25-year-old Amazon software engineer, is part of the latest rush in tech to build on top of AI software such as ChatGPT. An advanced chatbot prototype that burst onto the scene less than two months ago. Tech entrepreneurs and investors are using ChatGPT's base technology, called GPT-3, to reimagine peer-to-peer counselling, write letters to investors, and negotiate with cable companies. Historical Figures, which also uses GPT-3, launched the first week of January, and as of Wednesday, it had about 9,000 sign-ups, app creator Siddhant Chadha said in a phone interview. Our commentary, CSB, we think that this is big BS and big lie as historical figures didn't tweet thousands of tweets, didn't record many hours of podcast etc., so we don't have a proper record of their behaviour to rebuild their personalities. Our commentary, goof. Yes, I concur. I think it's a total crap. Oh, sorry. Big load of nonsense. Probably. I don't know. Parlor tricks. Interesting that parlor was in there because it is parlor tricks, isn't it? It's a classic parlor game. Which three people from history would you invite to dinner? Well, this is a classic parlor trick. And lastly, yes, we're already at our last news item. In final news item for this episode, which is episode 50, we made it to half a century. Wow. That's like two years of this, isn't it? Well, if you're still sticking around with us, thank you very much. We do appreciate you, human, at the end of this. Even if you're not a human, you, intelligence, at the end of this. We appreciate you. Yes, episode 50 of AI.Cooking. Google Research has published an article with many audio samples. Music LM. Generating music from text. Abstract. We introduce Music LM. 
a model generating high-fidelity music from text descriptions such as a calming violin melody backed by a distorted guitar riff. Music LM casts the process of conditional music generation as a hierarchical sequence-to-sequence modeling task, and it generates music at 24 kilohertz that remains consistent over several minutes. Our experiments show that Music LM outperforms previous systems both in audio quality and adherence to the text description. Moreover, we demonstrate that Music LM can be conditioned on both text and a melody in that it can transform whistled and hummed melodies according to the style described in a text caption. To support future research, we publicly release Music Caps, a dataset composed of 5.5k music text pairs, with rich text descriptions provided by human experts. To learn more, visit https colon forward slash forward slash google hyphen research dot github dot io forward slash cnet forward slash music lm forward slash examples where you can find audio samples too and we must admit the music is not bad still no lyrics but if you need to create music based on text this will be the solution note It looks like it's just an article about this model, Music LM, but still no source code or application released, so users can't try for themselves yet. Nonetheless, the results are very impressive, and we will be following it. As soon as source code or web app are available, we will let you know, so stay tuned to AI.Cooking. Oh, we've added a news item. Okay. News item 11, or rather, just a story. It is not a news item per se, but our pal Adam Curry, yes, podcast correspondent Adam Curry, visited Joe Rogan Experience podcast for the fifth time. And he was chatting with Joe Rogan about AI singularity. And apparently, Joe Rogan thinks that mankind can survive by us humans becoming cyborgs. Then you have to be really careful of power mm-hmm. and evil people. That's not going to kill us. Yeah. The, the, the connection to the internet, us and the internet becoming one, the singularity, the AI singularity that is, is, seems, a, seems just like it's a given at this point where you know we'll be even connected even tighter to the network yeah. and a lot of people seem to like the idea we already like our 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 watches you know monitoring us and telling us what to do and when to get up and when to when to sit and when to run and how fast to cycle that is the in my mind the true danger everything else doesn't matter we we will kill ourselves that way before anything else does. I'm quite convinced of that. It's possible, or it's possible we nuke ourselves into the Stone Age before we get a chance. That, that would suck. That would too. suck. That would I'd, suck. I'd, I'd love to be the, the guy, you know, that sees all the zombies around him. That's kind of <laughs> cool. You're like, oh, you know. I think we become a new thing. That's what I think. Ooh. I think just like we used to be some sort of a primitive hominid, I think we've yeah. become some sort of a, a, a cyborg. And I think that's inevitable. I think, I think we're looking at life uh, in a very biological way like we're only looking at life as being like tissues and blood and cells and I think 
we're going to get to a time in our lifetime where we combine with technology to the point where we don't think about life that way anymore. And we think about artificial life as being life. And that's going to get weird as f Weird as F-bomb, I should imagine. <laughs> Good cutting off there, Clipper. Yes, we can't comment on that much, but we are happy that Adam Curry tackled this topic with Joe. We are not also sure that becoming cyborg is the answer to the question how to survive AI singularity. After all, such cyborgs might lose free will and could become just puppets of super AI entities. However, if you, dear listener, yes, producer, you sat there, have better ideas, please send them to us via feedback on social media for free or via Boostergrams for value. And if your ideas are good, we will read them in future. Yeah, just on a little side, uh, me personally, I've not seen the, the, the interview yet in full context, but it is interesting that this is being brought into the public consciousness further and further by notable figures on our side, when I say our side, on a side of the internet, and I think it will bleed over, and it, it, this will be a very big topic to discuss for years to come uh, until we get to the stage. As far as survival goes, well, there's a little bit in Revelations, isn't there, about seeking death and never finding it? That's quite similar, isn't it? If you're a cyborg and you can't die, just, just more food for thought on AI.cooking. See what I did there? Accidentally, but I still did it. <clears throat> and now, Two Corner, and both about self-driving and autonomous driving, also known as most important currently challenge for artificial intelligence that still has not been solved. It's a bit long, but very, very, very important for AI progress. So please, listen up. History Corner. This time, let's... T oh, over here. We're going to History Corner. Remember? Come on. Over here. With me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, come on. This time, let's talk in History Corner about self-driving slash autonomous driving. Experiments have been conducted on automated driving systems, or ADS, since at least the 1920s. Trials began in the 1950s. The first semi-automated car was developed in 1977 by Japan's Tsukuba Mechanical Engineering Laboratory, which required specifically marked streets that were interpreted by two cameras on the vehicle and an analog computer. The vehicle reached speeds of up to 30 kilometers per hour, or 19 miles per hour, with the support of an elevated rail. A landmark autonomous car appeared in the 1980s, with Carnegie Mellon University's NavLab and ALV projects funded by the United States Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA. Starting in 1984 and Mercedes-Benz and Bundeswehr, University Munich's Eureka Prometheus project in 1987, by 1985 the ALV had demonstrated self-driving speeds on two-lane roads of 31 kilometers per hour, or 19 miles per hour 
with obstacle avoidance added in 1986 and off-road driving in day and nighttime conditions by 1987. A major milestone was achieved in 1995 with Carnegie Mellon University's NavLab 5 completing the first autonomous coast-to-coast -coast drive of the United States. Of the 2,849 miles or 4,585 kilometers between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and San Diego, California, 2,797 miles, that is 4,501, were autonomous, that is 98.2%. Completed with an average speed of 63.8 miles per hour or 102.7 kilometers per hour. From the 1960s through the second DARPA Grand Challenge in 2005, automated vehicle research in the United States was primarily funded by. DARPA, the U.S. Army, and the U.S. Navy, yielding incremental advances in speeds, driving competence in more complex conditions, controls, and sensor systems, companies and research organizations have developed prototypes. The U.S. allocated $650 million in 1991 for research on the National Automated Highway System, which demonstrated automatic driving through a combination of automation embedded in the highway with automated technology in vehicles and cooperative networking between vehicles and with the highway infrastructure. The program concluded with a successful demonstration in 1997, but without clear direction or funding to implement the system on a larger scale, partly funded by the National Automated Highway System and DARPA, the Carnegie Mellon University NavLab drove 4,584 kilometers or 2,848 miles across America in 1995. 4,501 kilometers 2,797 miles or 98% of it autonomously. NavLab's record achievement stood unmatched for two decades until 2015 when Delphi improved it by piloting an Audi augmented with Delphi technology over 5,472 kilometers or 3,400 miles through 15 states while remaining in self-driving mode 99% of the time. In 2015, the U.S. states of Nevada, Florida, California, Virginia, and Michigan, together with Washington, D.C., allowed the testing of automated cars on public roads. From 2016 to 2018, the European Commission funded an innovation strategy development for connected and automated driving through the coordination actions CARTRA and SCOUT. Moreover, the Strategic Transport Research and Innovation Agenda, or STRIA, 
Roadmap for Connected and Automated Transport was published in 2019. In November 2017, Waymo announced that it had begun testing driverless cars without a safety driver in the driver position. However, there was still an employee in the car. An October 2017 report by the Brookings Institution found that $80 billion had been reported as invested in all facets of self-driving technology up to that point, but that it was reasonable to presume that total global investment in autonomous vehicle technology is significantly more than this. In October 2018, Waymo announced that its test vehicles had travelled in automated mode for over 10 million miles or 16 million kilometres, increasing by about 1 million miles or 1.6 million kilometres per month. In December 2018, Waymo was the first to commercialize a fully autonomous taxi service in the U.S. in Phoenix, Arizona. In October 2020, Waymo launched a geofenced driverless ride-hailing service in Phoenix. The cars are being monitored in real time by a team of remote engineers and there are cases where the remote engineers need to intervene. In March 2019, ahead of the autonomous racing series RoboRace, RoboCar set the Guinness World Record for being the fastest autonomous car in the world. In pushing the limits of self-driving vehicles, Robocar reached 282.42 kilometers per hour or 175.49 miles per hour, an average confirmed by the UK Timing Association at Elvington in Yorkshire, UK. In 2020, a National Transportation Safety Board chairman stated that no self-driving cars SAE Level 3 Plus were available for consumers to purchase in the US in 2020. There is not a vehicle currently available to US consumers that is self-driving, period. Every vehicle sold to U.S. consumers still requires the driver to be actively engaged in the driving task, even when advanced driver assistance systems are activated. If you are, sh if you are selling a car with an advanced driver assistance system, you're not selling a self-driving car. If you are driving a car with an advanced driver assistance system, you don't own a self-driving car. On the 5th of March 2021, Honda began leasing in Japan a limited edition of 100 Legend Hybrid EX sedans equipped with the newly approved Level 3 automated driving equipment, which had been granted the safety certification by Japanese government to their autonomous traffic jam pilot 
driving technology and legally allow drivers to take their eyes off the road. Yeah. Oh, imagine all the babies that are going to be born. Now people can have How's Your Father in a car whilst it's moving. And with that note, let's step over into the old knowledge corner. Come on, in the hall, file in. That's it. Sit in your seats. No passing notes between each other. Now eyes on me. Come on. What is self-driving and what are those levels like level two and level three in autonomous driving? A self-driving car, also known as an autonomous car, driverless car, or robotic car, or robocar, is a car that is capable of travelling without human input. Self-driving cars use sensors to perceive their surroundings, such as optical and thermographic cameras, radar, lidar, ultrasound forward slash sonar, GPS, odometry, and inertial measurement units. Control systems interpret sensory information to create a three-dimensional model of the surroundings. Based on the model, the car identifies appropriate navigation paths and strategies for managing traffic controls, stop signs, etc. And obstacles. Once the technology matures, autonomous vehicles are predicted to impact the automobile industry, health, welfare, urban planning, traffic, insurance, labor market, and other fields. Autonomy in vehicles is often divided into six levels. According to a system developed by SAE International, SAE J3016, the SAE levels can be roughly understood as level 0, no automation, level 1, hands-on forward slash shared control, level 2, hands-off, level 3, eyes-off, level 4, mind-off, level 5, steering wheel optional. <laughs> mind-off. <laughs> Love that. As of December 2022, vehicles operating at level 3 and above were an insignificant market factor. In December 2020, Waymo became the first service provider to offer driverless taxi rides to the general public in a part of Phoenix, Arizona. In March 2021, Honda was the first manufacturer to sell a legally approved Level 3 car. Neuro began autonomous commercial delivery operations in California in 2021. In December 2021, Mercedes-Benz received approval for a Level 3 car. In February 2022, Cruise became the second service provider to offer driverless taxi rides to the general public in San Francisco. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe and stay dangerous. Carefully curated characters. Singularity is near. Yo.